Hello folks, welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are on episode 25 and we've got the man Fitch on. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, my man. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. Much appreciated. How's things for you? Yeah, mate. All good. All good. Um, Podcasts have kind of slowed down a little bit over the past month or so but we've uh, we've got a good number of guests lined up over the next few weeks and you're you're the first one of that streak okay. so um not happy to have you on mate um so yeah we're gonna we're gonna take a deep dive into hybrid training and again for a lot of people it'll be like what the, what even is that like it's i suppose you could say it's a little bit niche but it's it's getting out there a lot more and Mate, you are just started a podcast called The Hybrid Experience. So why wouldn't we get you on? I think you're the you're the number one man to get. But um yeah, mate, before we dive into that, let's just let people know who you actually are. Um, I always struggle with this one because I'm like, do I go with like how I'd introduce myself like on Tinder or do I introduce myself professionally? <laughs> um, but I guess I would class myself as as a strength and endurance coach or that's what defines kind of this hybrid kind of approach. So strength and endurance is, is now my kind of forte, my, my skill set with coaching. Um, I've got a coaching program, well, called um, Elite Level Performance. And within Elite Level Performance, we have a program called The Rebuild. And that is all about just getting the everyday athlete, fulfilling their full potential in and out of the gym. Uh, very simple, very to the point. And I think it's, um, it's something that... Over the, the four and a bit years of, of coaching experience, it's the one kind of program that I'm ridiculously passionate about. Um, I think I have kind of, like yourself, you've kind of found that niche. And once you get a niche, it's like, right, you kind of go all in on it. You've got your coaching process and methods and language has more purpose and intent behind it. So, yeah, the, the Rebuild program is, is kind of what... Um, is, I just had a brain fart. It's basically what kind of describes elite level performance. Um, and yet, other than that, I'm a wannabe hybrid athlete. And I've got a two-year-old Australian Kelpie who's just been locked out of the living room. So, mate, how, how did you come to find this style of training? Because obviously, I, I know you reasonably well, and I know that it wasn't always the style of training that you did. I suppose you kind of came from more of a bodybuilding background. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was it. I started, I've probably got a good 10 years, 11 years of training under my belt. Um, and it was very sporty as, as a teenager and stuff like that. I played rugby at a decent level. Um, so it was very, very sporty. My dad always kind of pushed us into sports um, as a kid, as a teenager and things like that. So then when I fell out of love with, with rugby, just realizing I wasn't good enough to play at the next kind of level, um, I took to the gym because I was very skinny. Like I was probably like, eight and a half stones soaking wet as a 17-year-old. Like, I was very, very thin. And I always had this kind of, like, almost obsession with, this is going to sound a bit weird, but, like, muscly guys. I was like, how the fuck do these guys look that way? How do you do it? And I almost just fell in love with that kind of process of, right, okay, I want to get I want to get bigger. I want to get stronger. And then from there, it was just because it was so much, so focused on developing my body, developing my physique. It wasn't necessarily, I want to be fit or anything like that. It was just that sole focus and almost narrow-minded approach of, let's just get muscles. That was it. Um, And then that just kind of snowballed into, you know, bodybuilding. I wanted to then set myself a massive kind of goal of of competing. 
I don't actually like competing. I've competed a handful of times, but I don't actually like it. Like on stage, getting tanned, all that. I I couldn't think of anything worse. I enjoyed the actual process of dieting. I, I love that because it's just, it, it kind of just teaches you, regardless of how difficult a task is or a goal is, you've got that kind of capacity and ability to kind of suck it up and, and grit your teeth and, and crack on with it, regardless of, of the circumstances or how challenging it is. And that's what I, I kind of love from, from bodybuilding. But throughout that bodybuilding kind of journey, as we know, bodybuilding isn't the most healthiest sport. Anybody that says it is, isn't. Like the amount of, of um, drugs that I was taking at the time, the, the, the little movement that I was doing, um, it just left me in a, a horrible, horrible place. I felt disgusting. I felt unhealthy. And that's not why I got into this. You know, I got into this to to look good, feel good, right? Um, and just took it to, to that kind of extreme level. Um, so from there, I just decided after my last competition year, um, let's let's get healthy. Let's get fit. Let's get strong. Let's get healthy. And let's actually understand how you can do multiple disciplines and how you can have different looks within your training process. Let's learn how to do that and let's let's apply it and let's see where it gets gets me. And that's that's been what two and a half, three years that I've been doing it. And yeah, I think I've I think I've done all right as a as a hybrid athlete so far. Mm-hmm. So I think people always forget like uh they sacrifice a feeling for a look and there's only so long that can that can go on. Um, and I suppose the, the bodybuilding space is the, the biggest example of that. And but people will go five to ten years just ignoring how they feel and ignoring their health just for a look. And I think it's oh, I've always said this, I think it's just a it's a finite game. It's it's not it's not a long term game, but it's a lot of people try to stay in it a little bit too long and it usually comes crumbling down. But at the same point, there's a lot of people that are massively successful and are doing it for all the right reasons. But yeah, it's a difficult one to find a balance with. Yeah, it definitely is. I think with any kind of extreme situation, you know, like like extreme powerlifting, extreme marathon running, extreme endurance sports, CrossFit to the highest level, it's all unhealthy. Like the body's not meant to do these things. It's just bodybuilding. You have... Um, you've got the extremes of the extremes. You know, at no point are you at optimal health. You're either pushing body weight and body fat levels to to, to high levels, because mass moves mass and all that, or you're dieting down over, you know, a 20-week period of being in a deficit. It's, yeah, you're, you're never in an optimal place. And, and I found the, the kind of two and a bit years that I was competing, I think, yeah, it was about two and a... Two and a half years, um, I competed from going from off-season to diet phase to off-season to diet phase. I was like, at no point do I actually, and this is a big thing that's happening in, in the kind of bodybuilding space just now, is at no point in that two and a half years did I actually like the way I looked. Because I was never big enough in my off-season. I was never strong enough. Or I felt ridiculously unfit, and I was unfit, that, you know, when I was with my missus at the time, you know, in bed with her, I'm breathing up my arse after two minutes you know what I mean like that's that's no way to be in my eyes anyway you're this guy who goes to the gym but you can't you know you can't walk up a flight of stairs without sweating and being out of breath and then at no point through a diet phase was I happy because then I thought I was a certain size I thought I put 
I set him at a muscle and then I strip it all back. And I'm like, wait a minute, where am I going? I've went from like an XL top to like a medium top. What's happening here? I'm not as big as I thought. So at no point over two and a half years, that's a long time, especially when you're putting in work, when you're, you're making compromises and sacrifices. At no point did I feel comfortable within myself. You know, that's a big thing. Yeah, it's so hard to not get like, I mean, not that I've ever been through a kind of bodybuilding competition or that, but I've, tra- I've trained like it and, and ate like it before. And I think you, you almost just, you get the blinkers on and you're like, right, fuck this social event, fuck this family member. I'm not going to see them. It's all about this. And especially, it's especially dangerous yeah. when you're like 17, 18, 19, 20, at those kind of naive ages, like it's it's a dangerous place to get into without the right advice. Um but I'm, I'm actually glad that I went through that process. And I'm sure you're glad you went through that process so you can now kind of, you're well-informed and you can coach people through it. Um, and I think a lot of coaches are created from that kind of scenario anyway. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Like, I, I took a, a lot of a lot of positives from it, you know, and, and I'm glad I, I, I dedicated my early kind of training years to bodybuilding and physique development, you know. I'm glad that because it got me... It gave me a great understanding of structure, of routine, of consistency. It gave me a, a really um, great skill set and being patient. And that's what I think a lot of people lack. That's why, you know, four-week quick fat loss transformation programs are so popular. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them, but that's why they are so popular is because it's selling that quick result, you know? But I was, I was, you know, weight training for a good five years before I even got to a place of like, all right, I can maybe compete in mm-hmm. men's physique, which is like the lightest, of, like on bodybuilding stages. You know what I mean? So it was, I'm glad that I'd done bodybuilding and stuff like that. It's just, I grew out that phase. And I'm glad I grew out that phase because now, two and a bit years later of being this kind of jack of all trades, fitness without any sort of limits, um, this is genuinely the most comfortable and confident I felt within myself you know it's not the biggest I've been it's definitely not the leanest I've been but by far the strongest and the fittest I've been you know and for that you know I'm I'm hugely hugely grateful for yeah no that's incredible mate it's uh, similar to kind of where I am just now with my training um but what I want to get onto is like what actually what actually is hybrid training for the absolute beginner that's like like what are you actually talking about when you talk about hybrid training? Yeah. Um I think for me it's almost like a jack of all trades, right? Um it's for me it's it's having um a, an approach to your training without limitations. You know, you don't want to just think, all right, you don't want to just box yourself off of, oh, I'm an endurance athlete, so I'm not going to lift weights, or I'm a, a powerlifter, so I'm not going to do any cardio, or I'm a bodybuilder, so the only cardio I can do is 8K steps in the stair mill, you know, or I'm a, you know, I'm a cross-country runner, so I need to, I can't do bodybuilding training, hypertrophy training, I can't do, you know, strength training or anything like that. You can do everything. You know, and this is what like hybrid kind of training methodology is about. It's about having multiple disciplines that you can be good at and you can improve on within obviously context and reason, of course. Um, but I'm sure we'll get into that. But that to me is, is kind of what hybrid, the hybrid approach is. It's, it's not boxing yourself off to one thing, not identifying your method of training to one thing. It is several different things. Yeah, I think I've, I don't know if you've kind of watched a lot of like Fergus Crawley and 
like Nick well, Bear on YouTube. Like they're kind of the guys that are because there's I think there's like a there's kind of like a scale to hybrid training. So you could almost talk about all right, I go to the gym on a Monday, I go for, go for a swim on a Tuesday, and then I maybe go for a run on a Wednesday. So that could be classified as hybrid training. But then you can go all the way up to the other end of the scale when you've got like guys like him that are doing like six hundred pound kind of. Uh, powerlifting meet and then go and run like 60k in the afternoon which is like absolutely ridiculous um yeah but we don't need to chase that straight away <laughs> but what would you say for someone that was looking to start this style of training like a bodybuilder that was looking to now want to add some of this into their training what would be the main considerations you would you would kind of take into account to start off um so again, this will just come down to to the individual if they're brand new to training or if they've got you know a good few years of experience of, of hypertrophy training. But I think the main thing will it comes down to is, is get specific first. So understand what area that you want to improve on. So when we talk about the people that are listening, when me and Ryan talk about hybrid training and having multiple disciplines and stuff like that, it's all within context. Like we can't we can't push extreme levels of strength, extreme levels of hypertrophy and extreme levels of endurance. We physically can't do that. Um, so it's about how can we prioritize and periodize one priority and get specific within that metric while still having other elements in your training to then, you know, build a, a solid foundation, a solid base, you know? Um, so that's what I would say to someone. If it's someone that's from the bodybuilding space, we know that CV fitness and endurance is probably going to be absolutely in the bin. So that's probably a good place to start. You know, let's start with some sort of endurance specific kind of programming and let's just build a base over X amount of weeks, X amount of months, just depend on the starting position and depend on the goals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's start with that while still managing and having your kind of minimum effective volume with hypertrophy. So you've still got your bodybuilding, air quotes, bodybuilding training in there, but now we're getting a little bit fitter. And your fitness and your endurance and your conditioning stuff is going to be the specific kind of focus for X training block, you know? So that's where I would kind of start. If it was the other way around, you know, if you've got like a marathon runner who's wanting to get a bit stronger, put on a bit of muscle, then it'd be the complete opposite. Let's pull down run volume and your overall kind of run capacity or endurance capacity. And let's start putting some, I would start them off with more like a, what I would call like a capacity phase in terms of like hypertrophy stuff. I wouldn't then just jump a marathon runner um, or a long distance endurance athlete straight into strength. Yeah. That top end strength specific programming needs to be earned, in my opinion. Again, everyone can be different, but I think get really efficient first, build your capacity in terms of hypertrophy. And then once you've built a bit of muscle and stuff like that, then you can go into more specific kind of strength work and things like that. But again, that needs to be earned. exactly the same as a bodybuilder going trying to run their first 10K. That's going to need to be earned, you know? So that's kind of where I would say, what about you? Yeah. So I think, yeah, pretty much same thing as you said there, like you, from either side, you kind of want to go and say, for example, again, the endurance athlete going into the gym, you, you definitely want to kind of go into that capacity building accumulation phase with yeah. some very low kind of effort uh, lifts. So just, as you say, get yeah. very efficient form, really good, 
low effort and don't don't chase the big numbers too quickly because again I'm yeah. the exact same but the opposite way around like I'll go from having done a full season of football and go right pre-season let's go and smash some road runs and I'm like <laughs> used to be able to do 10k but I've just squat whatever two days before finish the yeah. 10k and my legs feel like absolute lead um, and yeah. that's a mistake that I make over and over again and um, so you, you really do just have to go in at very low effort allow your body to adapt over time um, and don't yeah. expect to be a, a marathon runner in, in three weeks because it's just not going to happen. Um, That's something that I want to just quickly touch on as well because I get a lot of kind of questions and about this. It's like when you are looking at pushing strength or hypertrophy and endurance um, or you've got an endurance kind of phase in your, in your training program, people saying, oh, but my legs are always sore from like Monday leg day or Monday full body leg focus or whatever and I'm running on the Wednesday my legs are a bit tight should I be doing that you can't do both and it's all about you need to understand when you are trying to you know improve multiple areas that there is going to be some sort of unfortunate crossover you are going to be a little bit sore your legs are going to be a little bit stiff but trust me I just ran 15k on Saturday after two and a bit months of not doing any runs my legs were in bits mine's 15k Granted, the second half of the run, that's when my legs started to ease up, but they will ease up eventually. I'm not saying go and fucking run 15K, but your legs will get into it. They will loosen up, you know, and we can train. We can move with muscle soreness. You can still do that. Just remember that. It's just, as you said there, and I'm glad you touched on it, manage the effort. And I think nowadays it's all about, oh, you need to train harder that's the most narrow-minded kind of approach to things is, or oh, just train hard. What's your, you're meant to redline it every 10K, every single week. You're meant to progress that. No. You know what I mean? You're meant to run further distances every time you run. No. You're meant to constantly push, push reps and push, um, push load and increase that every single session. No. Manage the effort. That's the main thing when it comes down to your your kind of hybrid approach is managing volume and the intensity that you're working at. There'll yeah. be phases where you can really push volume, you can really push intensity, but there'll be phases. It's not an absolute, right, we're always training to failure. No, we're not always training to failure, you know, because that's going to leave you in the bin. Yeah, I think like a really easy way to look at it is like if you go 100% strength training, hypertrophy training, whatever it is, and you add 100% of running on top of that's 200% can in theory only recover from 100% so we need to take all of that and put it into 100% in any one phase which is a hard thing to do and it takes in theory it takes a, a good coach to kind of plan that out yep yep but this is why this is why periodized programming is so key and it's it's I think it's it's utilized in, and it is utilized in, in so many different kind of forms like bodybuilding coaches or prep coaches and stuff like that who are fairly new to prep coaching uh, or coaching prep athletes and stuff like that or competitive athletes whatever you want to call them they'll be like oh no you don't periodize your training I'm like well you kind of do like your off season is a periodized approach your um your kind of maintenance phase or health phase that we're calling it now is a periodized phase your prep and your recomp that's all periodized it's just different terminology and headlines to the traditional kind of way of you know, a build phase, um, you know, an off-season phase, a peak phase, 
uh, a recovery phase, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? It's just a different kind of look. But periodized programming is, I think, a must for any clientele who has performance or body or and body composition goals. You need to periodize your training. It's not just a case of, right, here's your calories, here's your training, off you go. That yeah. will only get you so far. You know, yeah. it needs to be different phases and we need to be, right, this phase here, we're going to ramp up volume and intensity with your endurance work. We're going to start putting a lot of kind of high volume, low intensity, aerobic stuff, but then we're also going to have some absolute disgusting anaerobic sessions that are just going to stick you in the bin. And then what we're going to do when we're pushing volume and intensity with conditioning is we're going to peer, uh, program your minimum effective strength and hypertrophy. So you're not, you know, you're not going from Arnie to Mo Farah within that kind of endurance phase, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, obviously periodization is something that we only kind of usually associate with like professional athletes when it comes to like endurance yeah. athletes and, and professional kind of like sports teams players. Um, but there's, yeah. there is a, a kind of an approach that we can take as like we're coaching majority kind of uh, just like people that are still working nine to fives, people that are, um, have full-time jobs and the the beauty of what we kind of do without kind of sounding like oh look at us we're, we're coaches <laughs> um is the fact that we can program on a week-to-week basis so we can't we can't necessarily tell what someone's going to be doing from week one to 12 exactly but we can go in on a week-to-week basis and go okay wedding here let's pull back there or we've got like a night out here and that's kind of that's why it is so effective to program any any anyone in that kind of way um and i'm assuming that's kind of like that's obviously what you do with your program just now with most your, most your guys and girls yeah yeah 100 i think the process from kind of day one to you know or week one to you know week 52 is is very very similar in terms of the the actual training cycles that we'll go through i regardless if it's just like let's take my client Jay, for example, whose sole focus is just physique development. You know, I like to do a volume accumulation phases within his kind of macro cycle. I like doing that because I like to start off any client from their minimum effective volume and periodize it up and increase it up to their kind of maximum. Because then we know the range, you know, and then after that, we can then have a deload and then repeat that cycle. That's what I kind of like to do. And that's the exact same as like any strength and endurance athlete. You know, it's like we've got Chris is two months out for running his first ever marathon, right? A couple of months ago, he's just completed his, well, no, it was January, no, February, sorry. Uh, a couple of months ago, he completed his first ever half marathon. But that half marathon was just going to be a training session. When we mapped out, you know, the 18-month process to get him marathon ready, that half marathon wasn't going to be an event. That was just going to be a training session. But he went, you know what? There's an event up in Inverness. Let's just see how I am within that kind of race environment. I mean, he ran a PB. And one of the worst conditions up in Inverness, windy, rainy, disgusting, and he smashed it. But it's all about, you know, starting them off from a good foundation base level and then periodizing up. So it's a very similar process. It's just, you know, we, we take into consideration, unlike top-end athletes, weddings, night outs, birthdays, you know, date nights, stuff like that. We, we program that in. So you could say we're coaching at a more advanced level than 
elite level coaches that are coaching for adopting athletes. Yeah, to be fair, they don't have uh, three day benders to take into account and can sometimes exactly. happen. Exactly, exactly, mate. Coaching, coaching someone like you saying Bolt would be easy. Be easy. Go and do this, mate. Be, Fast. Be easy. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so something I want to have a kind of like a dive into would be your training. So like what does a week of hybrid training look like for you at this moment in time? Um, so I've I've got quite a few goals just now. Um, one of the things since I, I do talk about it quite openly since coming off of off drugs, that's that's steroids, not cocaine and ecstasy and all that. Um, <laughs> But since coming off that, um, I've I've just got a real kind of drive and passion to then try and get stupidly strong and try and build my physique back up. I know I'll probably never get to the same state that you know I got to when I was when I was enhanced and stuff. But um, yeah, just getting health markers back and, and trying to build my body back up is is my kind of number one priority right now. So just now you could say I'm in a strength and a hypertrophy phase. And then with my run work just now, um, it's just building aerobic capacity. It's just building that base. So I'll do one to two runs, just depending on workload. I'll always get a long run in on the Saturday. So that will be anywhere between kind of 15 to maybe even push it a couple of weeks to 22K. But I won't run any further than that. There's just, you know, there's I don't think there's any need. It's just a bit daft then. Um, so anywhere between the kind of 15 and 20-ish K. It's where I'll kind of keep it just now, and I'll just build that. I'll progress times. Um, I'll make the runs a little bit easier in effort and stuff like that, and I'll just build that base. And then probably next year, this whole year, I'll probably be in in a, a muscle-building kind of hypertrophy phase and strength phase. And then going into next year, I'll probably set my sights on, on running probably a sub-three, um, sub-three-hour marathon. I think I'm, I'm capable of doing that. Um, and then... I don't know what other kind of endurance goals I want. I really want that kind of marathon. I think that would be cool to be, you know, 90 plus kilos looking like a bodybuilder, but being able to perform as an endurance athlete. I think that's that's a big, big kind of passion of mine. So yeah, that's that's kind of where my training is at just now. So in terms of like the overall outlook of my training, it's, it's fairly basic just now. It's it's two lower body, two upper body, um, and then we've got two runs in there and then just because I'm an absolute bro. Um, I've got an arm day in there as well, just because I've never had big arms and I want to have big arms for once. I just basically want to look like Ross Edger. That's it. That's that's goals. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's squat and bench focus just now. I've always had a really, really bad bench press. I think just technically I'm, I'm a bit all over the place, so working on that. Um, and then I want a 200-kilo high bar, high bar back squat. I think my previous best is like one seven five, um, but that was when I was I was I was enhanced. So this will be interesting to see how close I can get to that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my outlook on training just now. Cool, nice mate. Um, I think I'm going to dive into this pretty soon, so I'm not going to jump back into football directly into next season. I'm just going to give myself like six months to see what happens. I've got a triathlon in four for half marathon in Glasgow um, and I'm going to give them a bash and if I absolutely hate it every second of it then probably go back to football but if not then I might see where it goes from there and maybe go marathon half Ironman see how I go 
Um, yeah. sw- swimming was the difficult part, which I'm beginning to build up. And once I can nail that, then I know I'm on to a winner. I think tri- there's something to be said about, about training for a triathlon. Like if you've got, because you're a strong guy, you're, you're ridiculously strong. So putting your strength training on top of triathlon training, like have you got a, a kind of plan or a rough idea of how kind of training is going to look then? How many sessions? Yeah, well, old JP's at that just now. He's he's sorting that out, so we'll see what he comes up with. But, like, I mean, currently I'm kind of – it's kind of in place a little bit just now. Football season's only got one – well, one with a possible three games left. So it's yeah. kind of looking something like there's a – Four resistance, four resistance training sessions. It would be a mm-hmm. an upper push, upper no full body pull, full body push, and then a full upper body, and then a lower body session that can be chucked in there just based okay, on recovery. Yeah. But it's it's happened the last six weeks and it's going pretty well. Um, yeah. Two swims and then one run, and then one football training session or one football game. So it's a lot, and I've built up a decent capacity so far. So I feel like I'll be decent in a decent position to actually start training for this triathlon properly um but i suppose you only know until you start hitting the pavement and swimming and lifting on the same week it could could take its toll so see for for people who are listening then when you have let's just say you commit yourself to half marathon triathlon right let's say you commit yourself to that within that kind of process within that kind of training cycle would you then advise, and would you do it for yourself, advise people to um, to have strength-specific goals alongside that? Or would it be the case of, no, I want to go all in on endurance, volume, intensity, and my strength training just now is going to be, you know, complementary of run work, swim work, and things like that? Yeah, that's, that's such a hard question to answer because I think moving into this phase, I'm like, I'm telling GP, I'm like, Right, okay, let's get squat, deadlift, and bench flying up yeah. while we do this at the same time. And then, like, that's wishful thinking. But yeah. I think it definitely can be done. But I think, as you said yeah. before, like, you do need to prioritize. Like, if you've got the event, the triathlon coming up in two months, then it's probably an idea to pull back on these ridiculous strength goals. Because, as you say, for massive kind of majority of us we're not going to be doing what Fergus Crawley's doing we're not going to be doing a an Ironman with a 500 pound whatever on the same day so prioritizing in different phases is going to be an idea and maybe as soon as you finish that triathlon your next event's not for six months okay let's go and absolutely attack strength and see how see how strong we can get because although we talked about the 100% 200% thing earlier like that strength will if programs right and if measured right will complement um, a lot of those kind of different events that you're going to be doing i'm glad you said that because i think a lot of people um think oh but strength training makes you stiff doesn't make you functional whatever functional is um it doesn't make you you know it makes you stiff and rigid you're not able to move and things like that that's not the case like strength training should be in every I think it should be in every single person's life. Now, strength training is relevant to the individual. Like, you know, someone sitting on a bench and standing up without the assistance of, you know, a stick or uh, a a rail or something to help them up is strength training to someone, you know? Um, So it's it's all relevant. But I I think when it comes down to 
kind of building that base capacity, you'll still be, in terms of endurance, sorry, you'll still be able to push strength. And this is what I'm glad you kind of said, like the, the 200% and 100%. When we're talking about like 200%, we're talking about max volume and max intensity with strength, hypertrophy, and endurance. That can't be done. But you can still improve endurance, that kind of baseline um, capacity of endurance, and still prioritize strength training. You can you can definitely still do both. It's not the case of, all right, I, I can only then you know, do one swim a week because I'm pushing, I want, you know, a four plate and um, back squat or whatever. You know, you can do both. It's when, you know, at one point, your intensity with run volume, swim volume, cycle volume, your intensity is going to get wrapped right up and your volume is going to get wrapped right up. So at that point, when that's increasing up, that's when you're going to need to then look at maybe pulling down strength numbers and things like that and potentially just ramping up volume, but pulling down load and t- pulling down intensity there. And that's where you come down to like getting specific within, you know, or a specialized phase within your training. You know, that's yeah. what you would call someone, that's what you would do for someone who's, you know, you want to peak an athlete for, you know, the season ahead for football or a rugby player or, you know, an Olympic athlete or, you know, a boxer or a fighter. That's what training camps are for. I think a lot of people, especially when it comes down to like fighters, boxers, UFC fighters, they think, oh, they've only trained 12 weeks for it. No, no, no. They train year round. It's just they get more specific and specialized within that eight to 12 week fight camp, you know? And that's what your kind of triathlon focused training block would be like, you know? Yeah. You pull down strength, but strength is still going to be complementary of your entire entire training kind of focus you know yeah for sure something i also wanted to touch on was the the interference effect and there's i'm gonna get really annoyed here because i can't remember the study and it was only a few weeks ago that the thing popped up um and it was just a case of almost the whole interference effect is very very over overplayed and it's not as strong as what people would think and the interference effect is essentially just the two kind of stimuluses so like say endurance and strength they basically like almost fighting against each other for, I don't know how you would describe it, but a, a lot of people get scared that oh, if I run, I'll lose my gains or if I lift yeah. too much, I'll lose my endurance. And I think it's, although there's a little bit of truth in it, I think it's only at the very, very top end of very high mileage running and very heavy lifting. So I don't know what your understanding of that is. Yeah, I mean, it's not something I've, I've kind of looked into, but again, just from, from kind of experience, like, I think when you, the number one thing when it comes down to having multiple disciplines and being good at multiple things is you need to make sure that nutrition recovery is on point. You need to make sure because if you can't, then you're not going to progress in one field or one metric, never mind two or three. So the first thing comes down to recovery is recovery on point. If it is, you're not going to overtrain if your training program is well thought out and you know, specific to each training kind of training phase that you're in. But no, this whole thing of, you know, getting too strong and building too much muscle is going to impact endurance. Yes, to an certain extent. Like, you cannot look like Arnold and then go and run a, like, a respectable marathon time. You can't. But then again, you can't then go and run the times and distances that Mo Farah ran 
and try and bench press and squat what Arnold did. So there is it's there's context to it, right? But again, we're not Arnold and we're not wanting to be Mo Farah. We're wanting to try and be this kind of hybrid of of almost meet both them in the middle. So I think when we look at volume, when we look at intensity, when we look at overall kind of training capacity over phases um, and then nutrition and, and recovery is on point, then no, you're not going to, one's not going to cancel out the other, you know? Yes, there's going to be small crossover in terms of if you've got a half marathon run on the Wednesday, then you've got a heavy leg session on the Friday, for example, strength might, you know, strength might be affected. On the flip side, if you've got a heavy leg session on or a squat focus session on the Wednesday, you've got a heavy run or a long run, sorry, on the Friday or Saturday, you know, you're not going to be running any sort of PBs. But this is where we manage expectations within each session. And this is what you said earlier in terms of like, we can, as the coach, program per week. Yeah, we'll have a 12-week, 16-week, 20-odd week kind of training cycle. And that will be like your blueprint of, right, this is the start, this is going to be the outcome. This is what I kind of almost predict, but that's not going to be absolute. Between week one and week 20, we're going to change it every single week or every other week or whenever it needs changed. And that's why it's just managing the expectations of each kind of training cycle, you know? Or, sorry, each kind of training uh, session is right. Okay, you've just fucking stuck yourself in the bin running that 10K. We didn't program for that. Now we're going to need to protect the downside. And pull back the top set of your squat. Let's not go to, you know, failure or leaving one rep in the tank. Let's pull down load. Let's increase volume. So by rather than doing two sets, let's do maybe three. Pull down load, increase reps, manage manage your fatigue, and then come next week, follow the actual intensity and volume scale. Like we're programmed and you should be all right. You know, so again, it's very thought out. And for anyone who's listening who just thought our job as the coach is just to give you your macros, give you your meal plan, and then give you your training plan and that's it. No, there's <laughs> there's a fuckload more that goes into to coaching an athlete, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of times where I'm just sitting like staring at my, my true coach screen, but <laughs> scratching my head like, how am I going to do this? Like, this is <laughs> confusing sometimes, man. It, it can be. Yeah. Um but yeah, like next kind of point would be to move on to nutritional approaches to this type of training. Um, again, okay. I've read a lot, listened a lot to there's a few people with different approaches. And again, it does massively come down to what your goals are in terms of your body composition at that moment in time. Um, but what are some of the approaches that you've taken with hybrid style training with this kind of high volume? Um, for me, so... I won't talk about kind of my own nutrition, but I'll, I'll speak about how I kind of program clients' nutrition for like a strength and endurance kind of hybrid athlete, right? Is I used to always go, when I first started coaching, I, I coached kind of gen pop, fat loss, healthy lifestyle, healthy mindset and stuff like that. Now I coach athletes. That's that's what we do now. Um, but before I used to be like, right, here's your calorie range. Here's your protein range. There we go. Then when a client got a little bit more advanced with training and it's like, all right, how many grams of carbs should I be having? Right, let's not look at carbs. Let's look at, right, here's your grams of protein. Here's your grams of fat. Your carbs will fill the rest, which is a decent approach. But I'm a big, big believer in 
carbs are your fucking rocket fuel. It's the petrol to your car. It's what's going to drive that engine and drive your 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 body to peak performance, right? Alongside obviously protein for recovery, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I look at um, total calories. I look at your protein, and then I put in as much carbohydrates that I can get away with. We're having fat as your kind of minimum health kind of amount if you will you know keeping in mind that we're pushing performance here it's not necessarily healthy anyway so you know i would just have your fat the one that fills up the rest of your calories but i look i i fuel my clients with carbohydrates i look at i'll start them off at like 40 to 50 percent of your total calorie intake be carbohydrates and you better believe that will Look. Technical error. We're back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, where was it? But yeah, I I kind of look at at starting a, a client off, um, at around kind of forty to fifty percent of their total calorie intake be carbohydrates, and then protein will be at um anywhere kind of between, depending on the phase and things like that anywhere between kind of 1.6 to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. And then your, your cat, your fats will just fill the, the remainder of your, of your calories. Right. Um, and then as the training cycle gets more intense, volume increases, then carbohydrates are going to increase. Like, you know, I'm, I've got clients who are on, you know, 600 plus grams of carbohydrates, you know, and it's just, People be like, wait a minute, that's that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, but it's, you know, at any uh, at best, they're in a maintenance calorie phase. They're, they're not in a surplus. They're not in a deficit. They're at maintenance. They're just fueling performance. So that six hundred calories is going to use. It's going to fueling. It's going to recovery. You know, and then protein will probably be at the higher end, depending on what phase that they're in in terms of the training. And if it's like a recovery phase or a, um like a deload phase or something like that, or whatever you want to call it, just a, a phase where they've, they've finished their season or whatnot, protein then can come down. Carbs can come down. Fats can come up. Try and get some sort of health balance within your nutrition again. But then once once the actual training uh, phase starts again, you better believe we're fueling for a purpose rather than just health and happiness and stuff like that. Yeah, there of course needs to be a bit of balance and things like that. I always like to give to give clients as much kind of freedom and flexibility within the nutrition approach as possible within reason. Because I think that if you give clients free reign to be like, right, our nutrition approach is going to be balanced flexibility and freedom, which I've been guilty of promoting in the past, then they they eat, you know, Snickers bars and Mars bars and stuff like that. Because as long as it fits their calories, then it's all right. There needs to be context within it, you know? There needs to be guidelines and, and some sort of purpose behind your nutrition. I think fueling for performance is, is the best way for, I think, anybody, regardless of their goal, to focus on. Once you focus on fueling for performance rather than eating for fat loss, your thought process around nutrition is a lot healthier because you're almost... You're, you're looking at food as a positive rather than, all right, this is the reason that I'm not losing weight. 
you know. So I think for, from that kind of kind of um, perspective, I, I think it is it is important to have purpose behind your nutrition, not just eat for the sake of eating. Yeah, for sure, mate. I think there's a lot of people like doing a hell of a lot of cardio, like stair mill for like 45 minutes and they're, they're underfed. They've got no carbohydrates within them. And they're like, why is this the worst thing that I've ever done? Where if they just fired a little bit of carbohydrate in there, then what they would find is the performance on the stair mill or the, or the air bike or whatever it is would then become a little bit better. And then in turn, higher output. And, and you don't want to put it this way, but more calories burned. And it's, it's having the opposite effect with more food. And that's exactly what we kind of, everyone wants a little bit more food. Let's be absolutely honest. Um, so yeah. that's a good way to approach, I would say. What, what was your kind of nutrition approach? Because I see like your specific kind of nutrition approach. Because I think you've got a really good balance or what, from the outside looking in, it looks like you've got a pretty good balance between, you know, your fuel for a purpose and, and performance and stuff. You look fucking fantastic. Performance is skyrocketing. Um, but you're you're not neglecting the misses or anything, you know. You're still going out for date nights and stuff like that. So, what was your kind of thought process behind behind your nutrition? Yeah, you know what? Over the past kind of say, for example, last year, like there has become it's less rigid and it's less kind of um, well, essentially, I've just come out of a fat loss phase and basically done what exactly what we're speaking about right here. Um, come out of this fat loss phase, which was kind of like four or five years and in the making where it was kind of on and off on and off um, and just essentially started eating up to maintenance and again exactly like we were saying like utilizing carbohydrates for my football games like loading on a Friday night Saturday would kind of be strategic in a sense where I would play 90 minutes of football almost every week and then I would use this as my again you could use say it's a flexi day where okay just played 90 minutes of football I've just burnt a hell of a lot of calories, a hell of a lot of carbohydrates. Let's now use this as an opportunity to have that flexible meal. And truth be told, Saturday night is not no holds barred, but it's it's pretty much, okay, you've got the ability to now have a lot of calories and enjoy your night and have a few beers at it as well. Um, and then Sunday, kind of semi-flexible, the approach that I'll then take is like only kind of one or two meals out of the three that I may have on that Sunday are again, relatively flexible still kind of hitting protein still um still kind of making sure i'm being pretty uh, proactive about that kind of stuff and then monday to friday again not saying it's like totally rigid but i will kind of become a little bit more focused and i will then look at protein carbs and fats over those three days rather than just like a okay let's make sure i hit protein and have a flexible meal at the weekend so that works really well for me i know it's different for everyone everyone's got different jobs they're I'm probably doing a lot more in the sense of like football training than kind of a lot of people. Um, but I think it is an approach that works well for me and it works well for a lot of my clients. But I think it's also important to, to note that it's not going to be a one size fits all. And there's always a process to go through to really find what works for you because the whole Saturday thing works for me because I play a, a game of football. You yeah. might then your weekend might be structured slightly differently with working on the weekend or not working. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's good to take note, but also good to find your own approach. Yeah. And I think that, that's a huge um, kind of point to touch on is, is your nutrition approach should be specific to you, your lifestyle, your kind of training experience, training volume, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It needs to, like, this is why you'll probably get it as well. You'll get clients ask you, Oh, what's like, 
show me a full day of eating. What does that look like? You'll get followers who will be, oh, how many calories do you eat? How many grams of protein do you eat? And I'm very reluctant to actually share that information because my nutrition approach is so left field right now. It goes against any sort of traditional kind of textbook or anything like that. I eat, I eat just bigger meals. I eat less frequent, but bigger meals. That's, that's all I'll say. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of eating around the clock or anything like that. I'm too busy. You know, so I'll eat X amount of meals, um, but I'll make sure that, you know, I'm getting um, enough calories, enough protein, enough carbohydrates to, to fuel myself, you know, but because that works for me, my lifestyle, it might not work for, you know, it might not work for you. Having a thousand calories first thing in the morning might not be good for you. You might just be stuck in the bin then, and that's cool. And I think you need to get, you need to understand what's going to work for you. There's no, uh, you've, you've said this so many times, and I love when you do this, there's no like best diet. You know, there's no, right, this is the set macros that are going to achieve fat loss. This is the set macro percentage that's going to get you strength or, or anything. It's what's going to be sustainable and enjoyable to you. Again, within reason, just because, you know, Cheesecake is fantastic and, and donuts and crisps and all that are fantastic. Yeah, that's enjoyable, but within context, we still want to look at health markers. We still want to look at performance metrics and stuff like that and have a purpose behind it. But yeah, we need to make sure that it fits you, you know? Cool. Nah, for sure, mate. Um, so last thing I kind of wanted to touch on was just a little plug for your podcast. Um, what's coming up? What's the approach with that? Um, and yeah, how's it going? Um, so with, with the hybrid experience, I'm, I'm working on potentially a second podcast, which will be more kind of coach focused. So with, with, uh, the hybrid experience it's with client and very, very good mate, Jay, he's not a coach, he's a musician, but he's one incredible athlete, great client. And we just made this, we made this podcast because the amount of, um, the amount of kind of interesting interesting to us anyway conversation and in-depth conversations and education that we were just having just privately we were like fucking hell we should have recorded that that would have been and it just came to um it came from an understanding of that would have been really valuable for the clients within this team and then i took it to the next step and went this would be value to or this could potentially be a lot of value to you know followers so let's make a podcast and let's see. Um, so the whole kind of thought process there is it's it's not a, a specific uh, specifically fo- uh, specific wow focused fitness podcast. Wow, that was tough. Um, it's mainly just we just speak about so many different things. It could be solely focused on fitness, on body composition, on bodybuilding, on you know endurance training, programming business, careers. It could be focused on relationships, how much of a fuck up we are in relationships. It could be focused on life stuff. It's That's why we called it the hybrid experience, just because it's not just one thing, you know? It's a very relaxed, kind of more entertaining, more than, you know, just focusing on, you know, specific kind of fitness-related stuff. But the new podcast that, if we go ahead with it, will be more focused on, you know, conversations like we've just had, you know, focusing more on, on coaching, different principles, more education around 
periodization programming and, and different meso cycles within that. It'll be more coaching and stuff like that. We can kind of geek out a little bit on that. And then that gives us the, the kind of scope to get other coaches in like yourself to have these conversations because the one with me and Jay, like if we got you on, for example, we'll speak about, you know, football's mentality. I'm a rugby boy. So I, I hate the way footballers are, but we'll speak about stuff like that. We'll speak about how you manage, you know, a thriving business being an absolute beast in the gym and then your relationship. How do you manage that? That's what we spoke to spoke about with, with Joe. I was like, by, from the outside looking in, it looks like you've got decent balance. How do you manage it? And we just, we spoke about stuff like that. It wasn't necessarily just coaching and fitness related. So it's, yeah, it's, it's quite a cool little concept. I just wanted to, to have something that got more of my kind of personality out there. And like I said before the before we we started this, it's more of a, a personal kind of development side of things from from yeah. myself and, and for Jay as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of it's just more more relaxed approach to things. I'm not so professional on it. Like I, I drink beer. Jay was down in whiskey on Joel's one. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think the podcast is a is a great kind of platform to to just speak on because I when I first started Minds, Minds was like, right, I'm going to make a private podcast. And then I got on there and realized the subscri- subscription was a little bit more expensive for a private one than a public one. So I was like, you know what, stuff it. I'm going to go for a fucking public one. And yeah. like ever since that, look, it's, I'm not saying it's breaking any records with numbers or listens and stuff like that, but like I'll usually per podcast get at least one message off someone saying something like, oh yeah, I really resonated with that or oh, that made a lot of sense or it was really helpful. And I think, that is that's it like just even if it's just one person two people it doesn't really matter if you've had some sort of value have you given some sort of value to someone then that's all you really need to be doing and it's yeah it's self-development for us as well because first one i did i was like shaking like fuck what am i going to say don't stutter don't stutter um but yeah it is it's just there's something like what we were saying at the, the beginning is there's just something it just feels a little bit different speaking on a podcast i don't know what it is uh, it was probably because we listened to so many podcasts. We listened to, you know, all these people who have done it for, for so long and are, are so um, so kind of clean cut. There's no there's no stuttering. There's no kind of brain farts or anything like that. It's literally just it's flawless. But then we need to understand that they've probably got a big team editing and, and everything, scripting things and, and whatnot, whereas we're just kind of freeballing this. Yeah, I've not got posties coming to the door mid mid-podcast. <laughs> Yeah, dogs yeah. chapping at the door. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, mate. Like I, I know we could have we could spoke speak for a for even longer. But um, I think we pretty much touched on everything um, in regards to the hybrid training and that. So um, no, mate. That's that's been that's been perfect. Um, so yeah, I'll catch you. I'll catch you in a bit. And thank you for coming on. No worries, Dad. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs>